You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Becky All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Joe Ostrowski here with you. Coming up in the next segment, we've got Brad Spielberger with his weekly appearance for us to preview Week 16. And when it comes to uh, this upcoming slate of games, Joe, uh, certainly quarterback injuries matter a great deal. And we're seeing that in line movement uh, between the Texans and the Browns. But one I want to start with that's just downright baffling what in the heck mm-hmm. is going on between the Bills and the Chargers? I get this game is going to be on Peacock, so nobody's watching and nobody's going to pay much attention to it on a Saturday night of Christmas weekend. Uh, but at the same time, talk about some volatility here. Starting at 14, going down to 11 and a half. Now it's at 12 uh, at BetMGM and other places. What the heck's going on here? Well, what, what's going on is that there are multiple sharp groups that came in and they came in heavy on the Chargers. My question is why? Why are you so confident? Why are they coming in uh, that much on the Chargers? Uh, with the state of this team and with, what's his name, Giff coaching? What's his name, Giff Jeff? Smith? Is it a Giff Smith or a Giff Smith? I, what is his name? I don't even know who's calling the plays. Easton Stick, like you've got to back him against one of the hottest teams. I don't, and why was the buy point, oh my God, 13 and a half, I've got to jump in. I got to jump in. It's it's never getting to 14. There's no chance it what ever happens. What a key happens. number. Yeah, yeah I, I found that fascinating. So um, the look ahead last week was Buffalo minus nine and a half. Bills have a very impressive performance. Chargers, the opposite of that. And so so then it jumped up and then it goes 13 and a half. And then, of course, the sharp groups come in. Then it gets down to 10 and a half. And now it's trickling back up. Now, are we at 12 now over at BetMGM? Yeah, 12 at BetMGM. Yes, I saw. That's right. Okay, so now, mm-hmm. <laughs> where's this go? Where's it going? If it gets to 13, is there going to be uh, money, co- Chargers money again? You couldn't pay me to bet on the Chargers this week. Would you? You know, no. I mean, this is more of a stay away, I suppose. Like, I think it's just fun to watch. More, uh, for me more than it is anything else there's nothing really to it where i go oh yeah like at this point i gotta go the other direction like i'm i'm not there at all because i have no way no idea whatsoever as far as how to go in one direction i wonder how much of this and i love your thoughts on this how much of this is mm-hmm. just the brandon staley component like are there enough sharp people out there who think he was just that bad of a defensive play caller and an overall head coach to where anybody is going to be better than him to the point where we're going to see a more competent organization in general, because I don't want to make that leap in logic. I think some of the chargers problems are more inherent to just about everything they are than it is say Brandon Staley's fault. Yeah. But don't you think a lot of those quote sharp betters love Staley? 
and they were backing him again and again and again to, to where it right. really hurt them in the pocket. So maybe it's just a, a situation. Maybe it's a spot play. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any situation. Um, if you're a talented team, I can't say quarterback because he's not playing, but right. you have a decent amount of talent on the roster that just that bounce back situation. You're getting double digits. I don't care who the opponent is. They were just going to take that number. And and now that we're knocking on two touchdowns, it's not going to get to two touchdowns. The mentality, um, let's just take it. I mean, that would be my guess on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I don't. How about the uh, the fact that they didn't want to make Kellen Moore the interim? That's right. kind of interesting to me. Like, nope, we'd rather have the outside linebackers coach be the interim guy. <laughs> well, you know, you look at how this offense has performed, and granted, they've had a ton of injuries that they've made a deal with. Like, once Mike Williams was out, like, you could tell that things were going to fall apart in some way, and it just continued to do so. And I think even at the start of the season, we're like, right. Justin Herbert's got a rocket arm. Why aren't they throwing it deep more often? And then they were still conservative. Like, I don't think Kellen Moore has necessarily met the rather lofty expectations we had for him coming into the season. So in that respect, I suppose I get it. And also, like, he hasn't been a play caller for that long. He hasn't been a coach for that long. And, you know, yes, we're kind of splitting hairs in terms of years of experience with the guys who are available. But I do wonder if, okay, maybe one of the lessons we learned was we don't want a play caller, offense or defense, also being the head coach. We want someone who's going to do their job, do it to the best of their ability so that we can evaluate what they are doing instead of putting even more on their plate. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, just thinking about this and the number, I, I I know what they're thinking. Like we talk about it all the time when you have mm-hmm. that fired coach bump and okay, everybody in the building is, is, you know, on edge a little bit. Are, am I next? Sure. Am I going to get fired? I'm going to prove that I deserve to stay here. Or maybe I should mm-hmm. be considered for some kind of an interview. I mean, that that's what it is. And then it's a wake-up call to the players. Or is it? I don't know. Did they dislike Staley? I have no idea. No clue. Um, yeah, so I, me neither. I, I, don't know what, I don't know what we're going to see out of this. I don't know. I just know that the Bills are on the other side. And that offense is really scary. And the Chargers defense is so pathetic at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm, pr- I'm not taking the points. I'm not. The one, if you're taking the politics and the head coaching stuff out of the equation, the one way I could see the Chargers getting, say, a backdoor cover and say losing yeah. by 10 or something like that is if you are assuming that the Bills are going to come in and say, you know what, this Chargers run defense is actually pretty decent. It's the pass defense that's yeah. been oh so terrible. Josh Allen will have to throw a little bit more. And look, he can be turnover prone at times. If that happens, then maybe Easton Stick gets a couple of short fields. And maybe that's how L.A. stays in this game. Not going to win, but it could be some kind of a backdoor cover where, okay, they keep trying to run the ball, run the ball, and then at some point it just doesn't work. And then somehow the Chargers have a possession, you know, late in regulation where they're able to cut the deficit. So that's the only so, way I can see this happen. I know you don't like this. I know you, I yeah. know you hate this, but especially in this situation, it's yeah. going to be mostly Bills fans, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah they why will. why no, would right. any Chargers fan right. show up? And it's the Bills. It's Bills Mafia, too. 
Right. It's built. Yeah. And like now there's some real optimism for this team. Like I get that the power ratings for them were always really good and all that stuff. But now there's some real hope that they can make a run here, win the division yep. and win some games in the playoffs. So absolutely. They need to start showing up. I, I get all <laughs> that. You know, it's funny you bring this up because, uh, you know, I've got a few friends in San Diego and, you know, every now and again, you know, we'll talk about the Chargers and the Padres and all that stuff. And I'm like, are you guys still Chargers fans? Like they didn't move that far, just two hours north. And they're like, oh, we hate the Chargers. We can't stand them. Like they, they should have stayed, you know, renovated Qualcomm or do something. But they should have never left just to be the second team in Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. I do wonder in terms of that fan base, if that matters at the end of the day, because yeah, SoFi may not be the best of home field advantages, but if now you have a portion of a state that's supposed to love the team and they can't stand them because they moved a couple of hours, I wonder if there is a trickle down effect there in some osmotic or some sort of osmosis kind of way. Did they pick a different team or they're just observe the NFL? Nope kind of without a team yeah i think so it's just like okay we hate the nfl now we hope uh you know they never play football again or something like uh i mean i know people in st louis that that are that way st louis yeah they did they did that too so i understand yeah 49ers fans now raiders fans now like you have popular teams that that are neighboring that you can go to so i suppose they could do that and People in St. Louis, they can be Chiefs fans now, right? Like, get on the bandwagon. It's easy to do. It's fine. How about we move on now to uh, the Browns and the Texans? So we talked about this uh, in the last segment where the C.J. Stroud injury is uh, significant in so many futures markets. And with the report out there that he's likely going to miss this game, Browns are now two-and-a-half-point favorites here uh, with a total of 40-and-a-half. It was Houston minus two-and-a-half being at home. Mm -hmm. So with this five-point flip here, what are we to do? Flacco, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite is what we're talking about right here. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. curious about some of the other guys. So, yes, of course, Stroud's going to impact the point spread the most. But what about Will Anderson? He didn't play this past week. And that Browns offensive line – a good one, you know, they're down right now, four starters. So mm-hmm. how are they going to look if uh, the, the Texans kid creates some pressure here? Interesting move. I I understood the Houston minus two and a half. I got that because you would assume that Stroud's going to make his return. And that that's a significant downgrade. So what's going to happen with all those receivers? What's going to happen to Nico Collins? You know, Tank Dell's out for the season. Uh, some of those other weapons, that's going to be interesting. Cleveland defense, not the same on the road as a, as at home. They're just not. Right. So, yeah, I'm. it's gross. But uh, I, I'm looking at Houston as a short home dog right now. See, I'm, I'm probably backing Cleveland just a little bit more, and it may not be enough for me to pull the trigger, but if there is a side mm-hmm. I like in the here and now, I do wonder, yes, Noah Brown, good game. Dalton Schultz was impactful uh, in the last contest, but at some point do these wide receiver injuries start to add up, especially if you have a backup quarterback in there to where, look, the Browns probably should have lost that game against the Bears on Sunday, but I wonder yeah. if that was the regression to the mean game and this can be more of a bounce back spot, even though they still recorded the W. At some point, Texans, okay, show me what you can do in terms of this pass defense. Because 
Joe Flacco, really good in the play action game, really good with intermediate throws, 10 to 19 air yards. That's how he's been able to make a name for himself in this offense. Can the Texans contain both things? I have my questions at this point. And then you look at the quarterback battle. I think the Browns have a significant advantage here. Yeah. Um, and look, Keenan was not good. Okay. Right. Like that was a win. They got a touchdown late in the game. Okay. You forced overtime. You end up winning the game. Good job. Nobody really expected that to happen. But mm-hmm. now you're going from the Titans to the Browns. So yeah, let, let, let's see where all the injury situation, how, how those all settle in. Um, but that's a good point about the Texans pass defense. That's it, right? They've right. had a really good year against the run. And, you know, the Bears, good against the run. The Browns just dealt with that. So you've got another game where tough run, tough run defense, bad passing defense. So mm-hmm. I want to see those Flacco numbers too, because it should be a Flacco okay. game. If they're going to win, it's going to be a Flacco game. Absolutely. And, and maybe I am prisoner of the moment, but I do think he's got the capabilities with Kevin Stefanski putting all of this together to be able to win a game like this on the road. Yes, the mm-hmm. Browns defense may take a slight step back, but if the Texans are running out of weapons, that has to matter in terms of, you know, what the defense is being asked to do. And so that makes a whole lot of sense. By the way, you know, I kind of cited the uh, Browns-Bears game. I don't think we've had a chance to talk about, like, what's the – I know it's been three days now, but is Darnell Mooney still in witness protection program in Chicago? (laughs) They don't like him very much. They do not – they were not liking Darnell Mooney. They didn't care for his comments during the week about how he's not used uh, the proper way in the offense. And then he came out with that performance, which include – you know, there's also been what looks to be a lack of effort and missing key blocks, just not interested – and yeah, yeah, he should have had that. But there are a lot of things that could have gone the Bears way. You know, Tunyon could have had an early touchdown in that one. That's the Bears. That's the Eberflus era. They're in position to win games and they can't win games, which is probably why we'll see how the last few games play out. But probably why he's going to be gone. Fields probably going to be gone at the end of the year. And I can't wait to see what Fields actually commands in the open market. The more I think about it, the more I'm I'm kind of on that side where, yes, mm-hmm. there are flashes of brilliance here and there, but at the end of the day, so what? If you do get the opportunity to push the reset button with your quarterback and to an extent your head coach, you have to do it, right? You got like, to do it. At some point, you have to show something, and you haven't. Yeah, one of the there's a lot of problems with the organization, but one of the problems is they can never get the head coach and the quarterback on the same page. Matt Nagy mm-hmm. got the job because he convinced the organization I can fix Trubisky. Like they've just never been locked in, and then it's on to the next guy. Then Fields gets Nagy, and then Fields gets Eberflus, mm-hmm. and then like what are you gonna do? Another offense? Like no, let's get everybody locked in at the same page. Sorry, Matt Eberflus, you look good for a little bit. You kind of exceeded expectations mm-hmm. in year number two, but we've got we've got to make some sweeping changes here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, real quickly, uh, Colts Falcons has been an interesting uh, line move. Now Atlanta is a one point favorite at home against Indianapolis. You talk about holding your nose if you're backing the Falcons, right? Yeah, there were there were two games that had that same move. Indy. Two-point favorite to one-point dog against Atlanta. Jacksonville, two-point favorite to one-point dog against Tampa Bay. You know, 
kind of flying under the radar. The Bucks are suddenly a really interesting team. And I wonder mm-hmm. if they're going to be a, kind of a hot team going into the playoffs that a lot of people are going to consider. That's weird to think, but it could very well happen. This yeah. is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Brad Spielberger gets us ready for arguably the game of the season. Ravens at 49ers right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Spielberger from Pro Football Focus is here every Wednesday to get you over the hump with your NFL bets. Maybe now is time to buy on some long odds for a Bills AFC's ticket. On BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Joe Ostrowski here with you. And joining us now, as he does each and every Wednesday, is Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Well, you mentioned that uh, the Bills offered up some value last week as far as winning the AFC East. And after that dominant performance against the Cowboys, it's now the Bills at 2-1 to one to win the AFC East. Dolphins at minus 250. So let me ask you again, is there still value on backing Buffalo to win the division? I think you probably missed it to a degree, but you look at the schedules going forward. Miami has still has Dallas and Baltimore and then the head-to-head with Buffalo, whereas the Bills, and now I'm blanking, but they have two easier, much easier games than those two uh, before the head-to-head with Miami. So you do need a lot of things to go your way, right? You kind of have to have everything line up perfectly. Um, but hey, two to one, yeah, maybe. And then honestly, I guess I would say this. If you want to bet it now, maybe sprinkle on, like I think Josh Allen's 10 to one to be the MVP, uh, maybe even just take you know the the Bills to uh, you know advance to the conference championship game or something like that. If you're betting on, hey, they're going to win the division, have home games in the playoffs potentially. Like, how can I further get value out of that as opposed to just taking that two to one? Um, because I do think that the path is still there. It's just kind of a tough route at this point. Yeah, you know that's that's interesting because we were talking about what's happened to those Josh Allen MVP odds on Monday, and you know tracking this every year, I, th- I think all of us know what it takes to be the MVP and what typically wins uh, a lot of the boxes that need to be checked. And typically, what it starts with is you need to be a one or a two seed in your conference, right? And so knowing that, I go into it, and and I have a Josh Allen ticket. I have a, I forgot I was 
what number it was, but it, it was up there. It was when it was like 50 for the Super Bowl, 20 for the, the conference, all that stuff. I was scooping up uh, Bill's tickets. So I think it, I want to think it can happen. But it's interesting because, like, we see the guys that have votes that are out there looking for any reason to knock Purdy, but Purdy is still minus 200, minus 225 for the MVP. And Lamar is second favorite. And, you know, watching it throughout the year, yes, super impressive year. The Ravens are great. They're probably second in everybody's power ratings this morning. You know, they weren't ours when we did it earlier in the show. But I, I haven't been struck with an MVP season from Lamar. And then and then Dak's there, and, and Josh Allen is in the mix. So are, do you think it could be a year where, you know what, Maybe it's the quarterback of a team that has six losses that could be the MVP. Yeah, I really do. And I'm with you. Lamar's box scores aren't there. I think he has played at that level. It just hasn't been like there's been some red zones, you know, you know, issues or, um, you know, maybe a couple too many turnovers for his style of play. Um, and by that, I mean, like too many passing you know, interceptions where usually he'd keep that number pretty low. Um, but I think he has been exceptional. So the thing there is they're playing the Niners this weekend. So like it, it, how that game goes will dictate a ton. But Yes, I think if we're going to stick with this award basically being a quarterback award as it tends to be, I don't think record matters a lot much. you got to be a playoff team, but I think that's kind of all the barometer there is, is just, hey, they got in the dance, maybe they won a division, um, but I would get creative with it. I would find a way around betting Brock Purdy right now, um, even though he probably is the presumptive favorite, because I do think voters are looking for an out, uh, and, and if they're given a good one, I think they'll take the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of outs, looking at the latest uh, MVP numbers in BetMGM, Christian McCaffrey now 7-1, to one, third shortest oh. odds to win MVP. <laughs> and I think we can oh. all collectively have our heads explode. As long as we do it in unison, then I think it makes for uh, good television uh, here on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, but it is interesting to me that, okay, yes, uh, that would be odd in terms of you know how you get to that point. But if McCaffrey is at minus 155 to win Offensive Player of the Year – the 49ers have to use him. The Dolphins, I guess, in theory, don't have to go to Tyreek Hill. And given his injury status, maybe they can't. But if McCaffrey is still going to be an impactful part of this 49ers offense going forward, whether they just run the ball a lot or use him as a pass catcher, is there still value at minus 155, specifically with Offensive Player of the Year? I don't think so. Um, I mean, he okay. probably, I guess, is should be the favorite. The, the number makes sense, but... You know, Raheem Mostert has 20 touchdowns as well. He's behind McCaffrey in rushing yards by a, a fairly small margin. I guess probably trailing and receiving yards by a larger margin, but still is productive there. So I guess the Tyreek issue is if he doesn't have the 2,000-yard mark. Like, I think that was so heavily correlated to all the awards, even back when we talked about him as a potential MVP candidate, was if he can be the first receiver to ever get that 2,000 uh, number, I think it would have, you know, put him as, as the favorite for offensive player of the year and made him a legit top fiver for MVP. I just, I don't know. I, I just wouldn't bet minus 150 uh, at, at this point. Don't know what could happen down the stretch. And I think it's just still kind of wide open. Brad, let's go to Christmas night game of the week. One of the games of the year. And we mentioned earlier, everyone's got the Niners and Ravens one, two in the NFL right now, but it's a five and a half point spread shows you how much higher uh, San Francisco is than anybody else. So the number is five and a half. The total right now, bet MGM is 45 and a half. Where are you on this uh, colossal matchup? 
I think the reason is because just the offenses. Like, we, we know that the Ravens' defense is great, and they have shut down good offenses. Seattle, Detroit, Jacksonville this past week, and, I mean, none of those offenses are obviously in the same category, uh, you know, as a San Fran. But but the, the Ravens' offense is good, and, and I think there is reason for optimism that they can move the ball. The Niners' run defense hasn't been great this year, and you can, if you have time, pick on, you know, these corners a little bit. A corner not named Traverius Ward, Yamber Lenore, or whoever's, you know, Ambry Thomas at times you can pick on a little bit. So I think there is reason for optimism there, but I, I get this spread. I, I do because the, the blocking for Lamar is going to be, you know, questionable, right? Ronnie Stanley probably not playing in this game. He'd been rotating with Patrick McCarry already. You know, it's a good offensive line, but they're going to have their hands full with Nick Bosa and others. And, and then – you know, it's just like, you know, without a Mark Andrews in the offense, Odell has been playing much better football. There's no question about that. But, you know, in crunch time when they need a big play, I think you're going to need Lamar to run for 80-plus yards in this game. For, that, that's going to be the recipe for me. And you lose Keaton Mitchell, so you lose the explosive running back. Sure, Gus Edwards and uh, Justice Hill are good players, but not having the guy that can break off a 30, 40-yard gain, which is what Keaton Mitchell was, I think is a massive loss. Um, for the narrative that I see here, where the only way I see the, the the Ravens winning this game is if it's super low scoring. Like, I'm talking below 40 total points, and the Ravens find a way to win 2017. Like, that's the outcome um, that I see. If it gets into a high-scoring game, I, I don't see how the Ravens win. So, I'm not betting it. I'm kind of just it, – it, I think it's the game of the year, and I guess I'm just going to enjoy that aspect of it. But – I understand why the Niners are that big of a favorite because their offense is just operating at a higher level right now than Baltimore's. Uh, perhaps on the power rankings, the second biggest game of the weekend might be the Cowboys and the Dolphins. Miami one and a half point favorites at home with a total of 51. Where should we stand on the panic meter when it comes to the Cowboys? Can they win a game like this? Are there certain props you also like here? can um you know it's a game script thing if they get a lead and then they can tee off with their pass rushers against the suspect miami offensive line that has some injuries now too like robert hunt at right guard who's a very good player Uh, we'll see if he can make it back in the lineup so like there are narratives there but i just hate this matchup for dallas this isn't a you know dallas is frauds they can't be a good team thing that's not what i'm saying it's more we just saw them get run on for you know 200 yards against the bills the cardinals ran for 200 yards on them and so you're, I think you are going to see a, a ton of rushing yards from Miami now with a healthy Devon Achan in the fold as well. And then also, because of all the linebacker injuries in Dallas, they've been susceptible over the middle. They've been getting killed on targets over the middle the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and and we know, you know, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill on crossers and inbreakers and post routes and stuff like that has been their bread and butter for much of the season. So, yeah, we don't know about Tyreek, I suppose. I think he's going to play. Um, I think they just sat him out against, you know, they won 30 to, 30 to nothing without him. <laughs> so I think they, they knew that was mm-hmm. a possibility. Um, I, I just hate the matchup for Dallas's defense once again because the last piece, if the, if the game script is not in their favor, uh, the, the quick average time to throw mitigates Dallas's pass rush, and, and they're not a very good back seven right now. Was Do you not buy expecting... into the fact that you have pre-snap motion, uh, you know, with the Dolphins as much as the 49ers do, and they struggled against San Francisco, but do you buy into that notion that this defense, as great as it can be, just can't handle a guy moving around prior to the snap? Yeah, I think it does. You know, they, they play a decent chunk of man coverage. Obviously, a ton of single high safety looks with, with uh, you know, Dan Quinn. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I, I do. I think you see some miscommunication. The, the safeties are all like good players, but like unique roles. And, and I think two of them, and Donovan Wilson and and J. Ron Curse, belong you know, down in the box. You, you know, obviously Malik Hooker's a good deep third guy, but like, yeah, I, I think the motion and all that it just, it just causes some miscommunications or just finds open areas um, against the Dan Quinn defense that is good. But I think it's somewhat predictable. We kind of know what it is. He does adjust and adapt. Like he isn't. Kind of stuck in one box, but um, you know he gets picked on in some games for a reason, and I think this is probably one of them. Uh, CJ Stroud news likely out again, missing a, a second game here. Uh, so the market was not expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. The line flips. It was Houston minus two and a half at home against Cleveland. Now the Browns are favored by two and a half. Uh, is this where this is going to stay? Assuming that the quarter quarterback info stays the same, and uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think Nico Collins will be a big one here. Um, he's not going to move it substantially, obviously, but you know maybe move it a half a point. Uh, look, I think now you could look into a teaser leg uh, with Houston if you wanted to, because obviously C.J. Stroud is great, and I'm not sure, as, as the captain of Mills Mafia, I'm not sure what, what our guy Davis Mills did to, <laughs> to lose the job to Case Keenum here, but I no. think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Houston's defense has played very well, and in particular, their edge rushers and Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard have been really, really good. Um, and we know Cleveland's on their fourth and fifth tackle right now. Joe Flacco, you watched the game. Joe Flacco should have had five interceptions against Chicago. He had three. Yep. It probably should have been five. Um, yep. So, like, I, and I think you are going to get an opportunistic D'Amico Ryan's defense that maybe capitalizes, scores on those turnovers. And sure, the Browns' defense is awesome, but – you know, I think if you do get Nico Collins back in the fold, they can find a way to move the football. Dalton Schultz is back in the mix now, too. And there have been enough injuries for Cleveland. That the last piece for me is Miles Garrett is the best player on defense in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah, but Laramie Tunsil is one of the best pass protecting left tackles as well. So that's going to be a clash of titans and an awesome battle. Um, yeah, maybe a teaser leg uh, on Houston is how I'd play that one. Who's winning the AFC South? It's a phenomenal question. Um, I mean, Houston still could if, if they can find a way. And this one obviously be massive uh, and then get C.J. Stroud back, I assume, only a two-week concussion absence. They, they have a fairly light schedule. They play the Colts in Week 18. Um, and I want to say it's Atlanta is the one game between those two. The Colts also have an easy schedule. And, and the Jags don't really. I mean, I mean, at Tampa Bay this weekend, without Trevor Lawrence, it sounds like, is, is a losable game. Like, it really is. Um, and their defense hasn't impressed me at all. So, Michael Pittman's big, too, for Indy. Like, there's a lot of injuries and things that I think will heavily impact <laughs> the situation. But I'll go with the Colts, uh, I suppose. But, but, but I do think if we get Stroud back in Week 18 and that game decides it, then I'd go Houston. But I just don't know enough there. Week 16, best bet. Uh, what are you thinking right now? I know, I know there's a lot of uh, quarterback information that needs to shake out. But, hey, we know about some changes. And we've had some lines flip. I love tomorrow night, so let's get right after it. Uh, the Los right. Angeles Rams. Uh, this spread is too short for me. The Rams are playing as well as anyone on offense right now in the NFL, in particular Matthew Stafford. Um, throws 10-plus yards downfield the last four or five weeks. Is top 10 in literally every metric we track. I mean, yards per attempt, big-time big throw rate, um, PFF grade, you know, all, all these various elements. He's been so good throwing down the field. And Marshawn Lattimore now sounds like, as of a couple hours ago, not expected to play. Uh, which is huge, of course, for the Saints. And they're 23rd in pass rush win rate. Like They're not a very good defense like they've been uh, against the pass in years past. They are good against the run. Uh, they always seem to be good against the run. But 
They're susceptible up the middle. And I think I love that too, that their interior defenders are not good. Um, and this new gap scheme from McVay, like they're going to run between the tackles with Kyron Williams. It's been very effective. I just, every matchup I find in this game, I love for the Rams. Chris Olave mm-hmm. might not play again. Ryan Ramchick might not play again. I think those are up in the air still. But yeah, give me the Rams tomorrow minus four is my favorite bet of the week. Sure sounds like Tampa Bay could win the NFC South, uh, given kind of how everything is set up, right? They could. They absolutely could. And the, and the Jags game is massive. If they do get to play C.J. Beathard, like that was the swing outcome, right? I mean, Atlanta, you know, mm-hmm. we, I guess I stopped joking about Atlanta on this show, but but they, they proved who we thought they were. <laughs> uh, and the Saints, like they, they did look pretty good last week. They deserve some credit. Um, Got to get healthy with all those guys I just mentioned. But, yeah, I think Tampa, well, they have, I, I think, another game against Carolina in, in the fold. Um, and I mentioned Jags, and I forget the last game, but I think it's fairly easy too. So, yeah, give me the Bucks. Uh, just 30 seconds. Is Rudolph an upgrade over Trubisky? No, but he, he he's <laughs> lower variance. I mean, Trubisky was like the throw, the overthrow to George Pickens was horrendous. Um, some of his decisions <laughs> have been so, so bad. So Rudolph's not good, but it, you know, he won't turn the ball over a couple times a game and, and just, you know, be, be that bad. <laughs> Good stuff. Brad Spielberger of PFF, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, nickel or dime right here on the BetQL Network. is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, with Joe Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth, from BetQL. It's time for Nickel or Dime. Should you spend $500 or $1,000? Open up those wallets. We give you the answers on Nickel or Dime on BetQL Daily. Welcome back to Make You All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Joe Ostrowski here with you. And folks, it's one of our favorite segments. And look, the holiday season's all about tradition, right? So let's bring back Nickel or Dime. And to help us on this wonderful journey is none other than our board operator and the man who says Jingle All the Way by Arnold Schwarzenegger is number one among all Christmas movies. It's Jake Hassan. I didn't even know uh, that was a thing. Never seen it. So. I don't even. I, I don't even know what it is. I might have seen it in the theater. I don't think so. You would. But maybe what? you would. I was. Checks out. I was like twelve. Like okay. still well, checks maybe out. Maybe like fifteen. But your formative years. By, Sinbad. Shame by the way. <laughs> by the way, it was uh, it was quite alarming the other day. Out of nowhere, just the kids were singing Feliz Navidad for like an hour. Yeah. It's Paul asking. There's two versions was, in there, by the way. Use the better one. Somewhere. Yeah. It, it was not on the Alexa. There was, it was not being played. It's just such like, a happy and they thought song. it was the funniest thing. And I'm like, I, what, how did Aspen infiltrate this household? What is going uh, on? <laughs> oh I've got my the kids it, under Whoa. my control. Whoa. <laughs> let's go. Well, let's reward that for sure. Let's oh, calm down. You can All have right, Let's yeah. relax, what? Jake. Wow. <laughs> I'm just looking out no. for you. What was the movie? What Everyone just loves Feliz Navidad. Uh, Jingle All the Way. With l- right? the yeah. first or second one? The There's first. More one. than one. 
The second oh, is Larry the Cable one. Guy, I see. Oh, <laughs> Which <boy>. looks terrible. <laughs> uh, first one, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sinbad, best oh, supporting actor. I wasn't even born yet. 06? So I 96. was... 96. I was 10. Yeah. No. All, nine. 11. <laughs> I was 11. all chose bad movies to watch when we were 12, 10, 8 years old. Like, I remember asking my father to go watch North when I was a kid. Like, I didn't know any better. I just remember the most iconic scene in that movie, if there is such a thing from that movie. <laughs> so Arnold's, uh, like, trying to, like, haggle for... He's going to, like, these, like, back alley where, warehouses trying to get, you know, his kid the gift or whatever that everyone wants. Uh-huh. And he's... uh. He's in this warehouse, and the cops raid it because it's all an illegal operation. So he's pushed onto like a, a, I don't know, a pile of like fake cop badges. So he grabs one as he's coming up, as they're about to arrest him. He's like, and then goes in this whole thing like, I'm a cop, you idiot. I'm a detective, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to talk to your supervisor. And he walks out. You know, he gets himself out of it. I just thought it was brilliant. I've always wanted to try something like that, but I never have. <laughs> <laughs> With like a fake badge. <laughs> I need I oh need Paul God. walking around like the local bars with a fake badge no, and just, like, just trying then, then anything. Then you're a DB, like but Stoneville. Just saying, like, you know what? In in a pinch, yeah, right? like trying to talk your way out of something. I respect it. But don't, if Paul were to come up to you with a badge, wouldn't you believe that he's a cop? I don't know how to right? take that. Yeah, like a, de- uh, a retired yeah. detective. I could <laughs> yeah, see it. I need like the nine o'clock I, shadow. I've, like, I've down met a few a CPD bit. detectives in my day. Yeah, I could see it. Loose and tie. Yeah, the like, the three buttons I, undone on the white button up shirt. Yeah, I could see I it. Got the badge meter made. Next He's Halloween. Got the badge on the, the parking meters. Yeah. Paul's a uh, Paul's a badge on the waistline guy, not up, yep. not up here. It's, I don't know yeah. about that. You would be you <laughs> would be belt guy. You would be badge on the belt guy for sure. Oh, Jake, I, I think it's the I think it's the hair oh, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't think I'm rocking the badge. I think I'm keeping that under wraps. But like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> now nah, you're an Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Guy. What a career! Though they were so excited. Shoulder holster. Arnold. We got Sinbad. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you are not a shoulder holster guy. <laughs> That's like suspenders, basically. Who yeah. wears suspenders it's anymore? Tough. Yeah, yeah, right. Ankle holster. Yeah, uh, I could see you being an ankle holster, holster like guy. Nineteen ninety, like nineteen oh two, like revolver. Yeah, it's got a pea shooter. Yeah, what age yeah. do you have to be to wear suspenders? It's got to be like fifty five, right? Yeah. So Joe's no. almost there. It's so. <laughs> it's so, so. I'm. Am. Am I the oldest on the show? <laughs> Am I? It's close. It not, it, it's not it, me. It yeah. ain't me, so. Yeah. Yeah, the 48 over crowd can debate that. Not by it's, much. You know, yeah, right. It's not by much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. God, I can't believe you saw that movie in a the theater. I think I did. I don't know if it was like, yeah. I don't know. Speaking of terrible you know, movies. 12, like, I watched Phantom Thread the other day. What? That movie that? is awful. What it's is on. That? It's is it? from like 2017. It's Daniel Day Lewis. It was supposed to be really oh, good. I love Daniel Day. Less it was. T- it was awful. Uh, it was an awful movie. I had no idea what was going on the whole time. Gangs in New York. Yeah, I'm not saying that he's bad. I'm just saying that the movie was bad. I it don't like the real thing. Yeah, it was bad. Don't we, recommend. We did watch the uh, the new one that came out on Netflix about the end of the world sort of thing or like oh, with uh, Julia Ethan Roberts, Hawk and, Ethan yeah. Hawke. 
Oh, leave the world behind. Leave the world called. behind. Yeah. yeah, Kevin Bacon. Heard the that Cowboys was weird hat. too. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Are there any good movies that have come out lately? No, I'm way behind. I I feel like I haven't seen a good movie in forever. What were the Oscar nominees? Actually, the well, this came out over the summer, but the Across the Spider Verse movie was so good. Your kids, I saw that. Is that Marvel? That movie was so good. It was good. It was good. The Marvel stuff. I just it's like different. It's like I'm not the main kind line of with Marvel you. I'm thing. Kind of with but Spider Man seventy five. We're gonna do it just These like ro- Spider Man one. <laughs> These cool. rock. The, the soundtracks were right. so good. But this it was the essential version. Okay. Never been a Spider Man guy. No, Anybody? Batman obviously. No. Uh, yeah. The Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies were big when I was a kid. They were good. The, the second the second one was awesome. Yes. That shaped my childhood. Hmm. That that was actually really good. Shout out Toby. Yeah. Yeah, cuz that Toby I mean cuz that cuz Spider-Man 2 came out the Toby Maguire one came out when I was probably like 10. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's find out. Humble brag. 2004. Okay, so I was 7. Yeah. yeah see, anytime between like 7 and Humble 14 is kind of ambiguous. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I, said. I was like I was like somewhere out. between 8 and 13 with uh with Jingle all the way. Yeah. I was more interested in the, the Kirsten Dunst part. I thought that was going to shape your child. We get it, Joe. You're horny. Yeah, we no. get it. Yeah. All right. This we guy is. This guy is yeah. Was she not? He likes women. Was she not? I mean, oh, I'm not saying uh, no, obviously. I, I just don't know that, like, yeah. I'd better yeah. be like, oh, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to war for Kirsten right. Dunst. Right. No, but she was a big time movie star at the time. No? She wasn't? I mean, she, was, she was a name. It yeah, was I get the huge... hype. I mean, she was she was much... a name, a new iteration of he's a guy. <laughs> she was a name. She yeah, was right. a name. <laughs> yeah, she was kind of a star. Uh, Spider Man won only eight hundred twenty five million at the box office. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, it, no, are we huge. saying that every, all eight hundred twenty five millions? Like, yeah, let's go see Kirsten Dunst tonight. Right? Is that it what wasn't Toby McGuire? Right he's all right. Yeah. Like, is he? It was more about the Spider-Man. <laughs> right. As a whole. Yeah, it was a comic. Yeah. So, like, it's fun for all ages because Spider-Man had been around for decades. Yeah. So, I don't you know, know if you Toby just Batman, Batman way bed. better. Way better. And I'm not even that that guy. But, yeah. I mean, what's the what's her biggest hit? Bring it on? Like It was a great movie. That was terrific. I think I've ever seen Outstanding. It. Wow. Are you, you, bring, you it bring it on guy or more of a bring it on again guy? Always bring it on again. Oh, Jumanji, of course. No. Jumanji, I didn't even yeah. know. I didn't, I didn't even know, know there was yeah, a that was her. one. Power of the Dog, that oh. was a I liked dark. that movie. It was good. It was, it was good. a little dark. It was very dark. Yeah. Um, huh. All right, so I'll tell you guys about my uh, college basketball future. Yes. Sure, go for it. Yeah. All right. Oh, what do you got? So I got into the lab last night, was not planning to, but I was like, I'll look, I'll just do a little spin, a little mid-December spin through Ken Palm, because we always talk about teams that are like top 20 in offensive and defensive efficiency, very predictive of the teams that'll be there at the end and likely to cut down the nets. So there's one that was, and this time of year, you can only take that with a grain of salt, right? Who have some of these teams played? Like how legit are some of these numbers? There was one that popped. They were top 30 in both. 28th in offensive efficiency and actually 28th in defensive efficiency, 29th in three-point percentage, 
uh, hitting at 38%. They have a player, stretch five, one of their go-to guys, their go-to guy, third-ranked player in the entire world of college basketball, <laughs> according to Ken Palm. Experienced yeah. backcourt, including, and I didn't know this until last night, a transfer from Syracuse, Joe Girard, who can hit the three, hits it at 43%. Depth is a little bit of a concern. They do have some injuries right now, but some guys that could be on the mend. They played a pretty tough, when you talk about those 30, top 30 in both uh, offensive and defensive efficiency, they have played a pretty legit schedule so far. 1-0 versus quad one, they beat Alabama. 2-1 versus quad two, they beat TCU on a neutral, they beat Pitt. They lost to Joe's Memphis Tigers by two. Their only projected losses in the ACC are to Duke and North Carolina. Again, if you look at the Kempom projections, they are tied as the third favorite in the ACC with Miami at five to one. Miami's number to win the title, 45 to one. I think you saw it as high as 65 to one. This team is 150 to one. They are 22 to one to make the final four. They are, and a team I would never think I'd be back in college basketball. I hate their football coach. They are the Clemson Tigers. Yeah. Mm. Mm. What number did you get? 150. 150. Clemson and Florida State basketball always feel scrappy to me. Like, they're never – I mean, every now and again, like, they may make a push of of some kind and you know, the NCAA tournament or somewhere else, but – they're never there at yeah. the end. They're never there at the end. Always coming up just a tad short somewhere. Huh. It's an interesting. I mean, he's got name. the pro- he's got the projected record 24, 24 and yep. seven. Right. Yeah. So they're gonna. You know what they're gonna do? They're gonna be a four seed and they're gonna lose in the four five or the four thirteen, like something like four, that. Right. That's that. They're always like a four seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's probably what they deserve. Yeah. If if this happens. But they got a couple cupcakes, and then they play Miami. That'll be an interesting game. And then they host UNC. So mm-hmm. that'll be a test game. So you're they, they need that. to force more steals. Yes. Steal yeah, they don't like force that. turnovers. But they're pretty right balanced now. all around. Yep. So. Okay. All right. All right. We'll see. It's an interesting one. That was Nickel or Dime. Our apologies to Kyle Lowry. This is Beck UL Daily oh, yeah. presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Isaac Trotter from 24-7 Sports with his favorite college basketball plays for the week. That's right here on the Beck UL Network.